lovers. How you doing? Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back, y'all. So good to be back, Core. What's been going on with you? Oh, geez. You got to stop doing that, bud. I don't know. <laughs> no uh, smoke screen no, today. No, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I can't defer to our guest on this today's episode. That's a little tease for the... <laughs> I don't even know which order these are coming yeah, out Yeah, hard in. to say. Um, I, I've been fine. I've been fine. The world's fallen apart. Oh, I've taken great fuck? solace. <laughs> In the, in the glut of quality television that we've been getting the last few months, um, there are a few shining examples, and I'm just happy to be back in the flow of things and talking about the things we love to talk about most, yeah, bud. How about you? Me too. No, I feel that for sure. Uh, definitely been like a busy couple of weeks and months, and like, you're right, the world is dying um, uh-huh. <laughs> in more ways than one, <laughs> and uh, so that's pretty depressing overall, so it's nice to have these little escapist moments <laughs> outside of it. It's nice also to be the people that are not necessarily responsible for chronicling the decline. Yes. We're just, we're just we're here. Just we're just we're, living. We're small, tiny, <laughs> insignificant specks on the back of this terrible monster, and we're just feeding off its energy, exactly. and that's okay. <laughs> we're, not, we're not here to solve anything. We're here to talk about good TV. Yeah. So wait, I want to know... Obviously, besides what we're talking about today, what else has sure. sort of been things that you're watching right now? Well, I mean, uh, kind of inspired by the show we're going to be talking about today, I did kind of dive into a couple of seasons, the two seasons of Top Chef I hadn't mm-hmm. seen. And and you mm. know how important Top Chef mm-hmm. is to me. And that's my, that's my big, big, big reality TV thing. I think partially because it kind of feels like the exception to the rule. It feels like a show apart from the rest of the landscape. Um, not to talk shit about reality TV, yeah, which please. I love. We love. Excuse we support me? it entirely. <laughs> um, but but that is the one that speaks more to me personally. It's a, and it's, it's really beloved to me. And I, I've just been really heartened by the show that it's become over the last few years yeah. because and we'll have time to discuss this proper when we get to the show today but the 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 restaurant world has been chastened a little bit over the last few years and not the least of which because of covid-19 basically shutting down their entire industry and putting everybody in peril but more because like there have been it's been a hotbed of like misconduct mm. and allegations and bad behavior on the part of the largely male dominated sphere. But Top Chef has kind of taken the criticisms of their industry and turned into kind of a kind, forward thinking, diverse celebration of food. Mm. And it's become such a like a pure experience. No gimmicks, no tricks. They They can't help themselves sometimes. But it's been just like... An incredible celebration of just utter skill and acknowledgement that that skill can come from anywhere on earth, from any walk of life. And it's been a really beautiful thing. So, uh, I mean, beyond that, there's been everything else like Atlanta, Better Call Saul. There's Hacks had its second season, which was phenomenal. Um, One of the executive producers on Hacks is largely responsible for our show today. I just learned today, which is pretty cool. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. There's a ton of good TV out there, but I, I'd say that uh, being reminded that Top Chef exists has been really special for me this year as so, well. So uh, the last Top Chef season I watched was, I think, like the Portland season. Has there been more since Oh, then? sure. Uh, there has. There's been one season one since the Portland season. season. The, yeah, they went to Houston in the most recent season, and it was some really extraordinary shit. Well, now I know what I'm going to watch. I love that show. There you um, go. The... the uh, uh, Padma also did um, an amazing yeah. series um, called uh, Taste the Nation. Yes. Uh, yes. And that's also quite good if you have not seen that yet. Um, 
That's a really special lady, that Padma Lakshmi. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. she is. And she's excellent <laughs> at doing what she does. Um, oh, yeah. But that for show, I thought was really, really awesome. Like diving into these different cuisines through the people, the eyes of the people who make them and like immersing yourself in the culture and the, and the food. But by way of food, I should say. But like, it's, it was really yeah. good. And by way of, yeah, by way of culture as yeah. well. Like, like to, for her to have the lens of like, we're going to talk to like very specific cultures of Americans and, uh, and shine a light on people that don't normally get to stand inside of a spotlight right. is really, really lovely. Um, yeah. Like the one that stood out to me, I can't remember exactly where they were, but they were making um, burritos in the morning for the people who would go and do work. Um, oh, yeah. And I can't, I guess I I can't not remember where they were. Um, I can't remember if it was like on the border or if it was just some somewhere else. But um, it was um, they would they were talking about putting the burritos in the windshield of the car. Um, oh yeah, to, sure. To keep them warm throughout the day and like how they had that nice melty cheese by the time they got to them at lunch. And um, I was like, yeah, that sounds real good. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's 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 the language we want to talk exactly. about. Absolutely, yeah, um, yeah. That episode was in El Paso. Texas. I, I thought it was yeah. Texas, but I wasn't. I wasn't yeah, hundred percent certain. Um, but yeah, it was a great show. I would recommend both of those things. And now I'm really excited. I have a Top Chef to watch. Uh huh. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. And there's there's some incredibly talented people on this season, and it's really cool. the it's really excellent. Absolutely. I have rewatched Downton Abbey for the yes time, perhaps. Um, uh huh. That was fun, and that was where I've been spending a lot of my TV watching time. But I don't know if I've told you this. Je- Jason and I have gotten really into Jeopardy. Like we watch Jeopardy oh, shit, religiously yeah. every night now. <laughs> I where where are you watching this on? Is that on Hulu at this point? Where, no, where are you watching? We're that? watching it on just YouTube TV. Like that's how we get oh, our hell yeah. our cable. So we record we record Jeopardy every night. And since my friend was on Jeopardy, we've just been like watching it since then, and it's really fun. It's yeah. like a nice little. Uh, uh, seemingly smart way to start your evening. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and a, like a nice, like clean competition show. Yeah. Just like a night that you can create your own little heroes and villains every episode, <laughs> and really root for someone that you didn't know five seconds ago. Yeah, yes. Jeopardy kicks ass, and it kind of re-entered the cultural conversation after the kind of sad passing of Alex Trebek. Yeah, true. But yeah, but it. It went through like a really strange period over the last year of like the the internet crying out for LeVar Burton to host the show and Jeopardy saying no thank you weirdly <laughs> and then their executive producer giving himself the hosting job and then having to step down after misconduct allegations right. and then right. Mayim Bialik kind of part time hosting the Ken show Jenny. and Ken Jennings ho- hosting the show they've they've been like really stepping on their own dick after Alex died. He, he, did, he did them no favors whatsoever. But that's one of the best shows ever made, man. Jeopardy's so a solid. perfect television And there's show. been, like, this season has had, like, the most um, streaked winners of, like, any season. Um, so people oh, no who shit. have been on the show for, like, long streaks. And so we've seen a couple of really good runs uh, during the time we started watching since my friend was on it. And right. uh, it's been really fun to watch. So it's, it's, it's a fun, huh? fun hang. Um, Hell yeah. But yeah, season two of Hacks was on our radar as well. Like, that was an excellent season of television. Man. Um, mm-hmm. Love that show. We've, I think we've probably even talked about it in these little blurbs before, but it's so good. Yeah, I think briefly, um, yeah. 
Yeah, it just it, it makes me extremely happy that show, and it's also become this cool system by which the producers and writers of the show can like smuggle in some of the most talented, yes. uh, middle aged or older women uh-huh, in comedy uh-huh. back onto television. It's just been like a pipeline to see a bunch of people really, really, really love like Laurie Metcalf get a spotlight yes, for an episode Laurie or two. Metcalf was um, great appearance on this season so excellent and harriet samson harris who from uh oh, yeah. licorice pizza the talent mm-hmm. agent had a really stellar episode as well yes. um yeah like what a what a great reclamation project that show has become just like get the like least valued uh women comedians on tv again it's really really special yeah it's a great show really really awesome um and i love what's her name jean Smart? Oh, smart. Yeah, that's what I was wanted that's to right. say, but I was like, is this wrong? <laughs> it seems like you're making that name up as you say exactly. it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's incredible. And um the the gal who plays the writer is also yeah. awesome. Uh she's really great. Oh, hi- Hannah Einbinder, Hannah Einbinder, I think is her name. Yes. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's uh, that that I that was a real pull. On my <laughs> yeah, part. well I, done. I cannot Corey. believe I grabbed that out of the ether. <laughs> hey, go me. Um, but really excited because both of us just watched a show Ooh. that I think we're really excited about, and we were really excited so to talk too. about it with you all, showstoppers, because it's a. I'm going to spoil this and say it's one to watch, I think. I think you got to go watch the show. (laughs) I usually say that at the end, but I'm saying it now. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I I had no idea how you were going to take this particular one. I've given up on understanding like what art is going to hit you in what way (laughs) and what you're going to like really fall in love with or not. But after the first episode, you just uh, like came up to me at work and you were like, yeah, that's a good fucking show, man. Yeah, I'm really into this. I'm super into this. So today we're here to talk about a show that kind of really, really caught us both by surprise, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere. I saw a couple commercials about it, and I was like, okay, here's a, they're trying to do kitchen shit again. Right, right. Uh, they're trying to do scripted restaurant programming again, which almost never works. But today we're talking about The Bear. Um the Bear is about a young chef uh, named Car- Carmen? Carmine? Carmine? Carmen. We call Carmine. 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 Yeah, sure. So we'll call him Carmine, right? So <laughs> Carmine is a young chef that's worked in some of the most prestigious Michelin star chefs around the world. Uh, Noma, 11 Madison Park, uh, French Laundry and stuff. But after the sudden suicide of his brother... He inherits uh, this kind of stalwart uh, Chicago Italian roast beef sandwich shop that's on its last legs and in arrears with uh, shady lenders. Um, And he has to try to reclaim his family legacy and build the restaurant up from nothing and potentially turn it into something quite special. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesse, what did you think of this show, bud? Uh, well, as we were just saying, it sort of captured me from, from day one. So first of all, I want to acknowledge, like, this show, if I could, like, give you a show that would fill a lot of your buckets, like Corey oh, yeah. buckets, specifically, Correct. this would be the show. And you knew that from the beginning. Um, because first of all, it takes place inside of a restaurant and uh, right. revealing something about you, Corey, but you really love to cook <laughs> and also have expressed a lot of joy in, in, you know, making food for other people and being inside of a kitchen and working with a team like this. So like that drew me to it right away because I knew it was also going to be something that you would connect with quickly. Right. 
Um, and it wasn't hard for me to make that connection either. Like, I love a good eat. I love eating the food that you cook me. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it's a pretty good deal for everybody. Yeah, pretty yeah. great all around. And I also really enjoy restaurants and things about the restaurants. Um, when, uh, when I was living in London, they did, there was a show called The Kitchen, um, sure. and they did it at the national and it was so cool because they recreated a, a 11 Madison park or, you know, whatever fancy, fancy ass kitchen right. on a, on the stage. What was amazing about it is there was no food used in the production. Um, but it was all the sights and the sounds, like the chopping, the smoke, the, um, I'm the no steam kidding. and like, it was so incredible. I've never quite seen anything like that again, but, um, it was a really unique at least the staging of it. I don't quite remember the story. <laughs> but the staging of it was so memorable to me because of sure. like the, being in a kitchen and running a restaurant is very difficult and grueling work. And the preciseness mm-hmm. of it is so crazy. So doing that without food was like, whoa, that's so cool to be able to. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, it was awesome. So I also really enjoyed being able to sort of be inside of a kitchen. But I think particularly this kitchen, uh, the beef, um, the beef was pretty special because you get to the you get to this kitchen when it's not good. (laughs) Something not (laughs) not great. Like the beef is a staple. It's like a local um, neighborhood staple. And I think, you know, insert your neighborhood staple here. But imagine that like that restaurant is struggling and it just lost its, you know, essentially its owner and the person who runs it, the person who held it together. Um, Right. And it's it starts in this very dark place and you kind of don't see a way out of it at the beginning. how they're going to recover this restaurant. So you catches you right away. Uh, yeah. With that story and that placement. And it starts for the, the, the place that a, a ton of great stories start, which is we have to get the band together. Mm-hmm. We have to go into business together. We have to come up with a plan. So you're, you're starting exactly where the characters are, which is like, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Yeah. Like Carmi, Carmi is shorted on his beef order. So he has to dig into his collection of vintage denim jackets to raise enough money to buy. Enough is that what that was? That a denim jacket that he was that's, selling? That's what that's he was so doing. Crazy. Yeah, he had... And th- that's one of the many like small like hyper particular details about the people in this yeah. show that we get uh, that that we're privy to. So the 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 thing that gets me most hooked by anything that takes place in a particular either part of the world or within a particular industry or subculture is that hyper focused specific detail and the jargon and the the, the phraseology and the sayings and the 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 really nuts and bolts detailing of that world. And the bear does that shockingly well, I think in part because they hired real chefs to consult on uh, like the the behind the curtain, behind the scenes, past the velvet rope information, um, including Maddie Matheson, who also shows up as fact, the handyman. Hell yeah, and Maddie Matheson. It was, <laughs> but I, I, I love him so terribly. And he has a weird connection to us because remember the uh, the trip we took to Maine and the, the ribs that we made that oh, day? Oh, yeah. Was that his recipe? That's a Maddie Matheson Stop. recipe. Yeah, That's exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. So the first thing, like the only thing I've ever cooked for your parents and the first, <laughs> like a, a kind of meal that brought us all together was Maddie Matheson. So he's been tied to us for a while and it was him posting, um, like I've been following him forever. He's a massive YouTube presence. He's a complete psychopath yeah. and one of my favorite people I just online. watched some of his YouTube videos today in preparation for our podcast. 
today. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So, yeah, I think he he is such a hyper specific person and one of one of Canada's best people. Um, <laughs> But him posting about it or talking about it somewhere, the, like the fact that he had consulted on this show and, and how he had designed recipes alongside this other chef, Coco, who's the sister of the, the head writer and co-showrunner of the show, Christopher Storer, um, like kind of bought me into this. Mm. I was like, oh, shit, well, they got Maddie. There's going to be at least something to check out here. And he's acting in it. So let's check it out. Um, <laughs> he plays they, a great they, character they, as well, by the way. He's the and best. what's he's great the best. is when you watch the entire season and don't know anything about who this person is but then you realize that he's sort of the the backbone of the show a little bit like he created it produced it all of this um uh pretty special that he has the background that he has and that he is the chef and he's the the one that had i don't did he write it what was his um produced it no i don't think he he, I think he's a co-producer. co-producer. I think he gets like a a, a a consultant's credit on it alongside his co-chef Coco Store. Um, but no, I think he was just there as like an expert on the world they were trying nice. to portray. Yeah. So when when they're talking about like the 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 plum reduction recipe, or they're consulting on how it would what it would look like to get five hundred tickets all at once, and how a chef might go about trying to scale mm-hmm. that mountain. Um, like I think he's there to lend some authenticity there, and it works. It really works. Well. Yeah, it does. And he's he's excellent. He's very fun to watch. And you should, <laughs> so you good. haven't already watched a Maddie Matheson YouTube video. <laughs> the one I watched today was the Cincinnati chili recipe. And oh, buddy, real good. And I love oh, some buddy. Cincinnati chili too. So oh, it's worth the watch. It's one of my favorite meals of all time. It's so specific. No Is that shit. the episode where he makes the, where he makes the beef face uh-huh. That, uh-huh. that it gets animated and talks yes, to us? It yes, it is. He's such such a special man, and I love him very. <laughs> yeah, dearly. if only all of our brains worked in the same way that Matty's <laughs> does, because that creativity is just beyond me. A hundred percent. I love it. Um, but yeah, Cincinnati chili is also one of my favorite meals. So side note, we'll have to make. Thank you some we got like we have like a box um oh of cincinnati chili that is so oh buddy good. i've seen that in your pantry yeah. every time i've dog sat for y'all i've yes. seen that cincinnati chili seasoning yes there. let's do we it have to absolutely do it. next meal cincinnati chili uh and we'll and we'll do it maddie matheson style <laughs> <laughs> with the pile of cheese on top <laughs> oh yeah 100 <laughs> percent um yeah so he's a great watch um and such a cool backstory to have him in the show as like the repair man he like barely touches Absolutely. a knife in the show which is great well he begs for he, he begs, begs for, for a job. job and then gets his ass kicked by the guy he's, uh, he's interviewing with yeah. so good <laughs> but so what where do you want to start with this whole thing, buddy? I mean, we've we sort of started, but what's our way into this? We want to talk about characters, yeah, people? Yeah, I think so. That's sort of what I was thinking is touching on the characters because they're so, um, as, as you were sort of saying, like they're so defined through all of these little details, like Carmi selling his denim jacket um, <laughs> at the beginning of the show. Uh, and he might be a great character to start with because first of all, yeah, let's do this, it. this guy, Jeremy Allen White is his name, playing Carmi, who I have not, I've, I've not seen almost any of these actors in anything else I'm sorry to say Um, they're all stellar but they all have maybe more niche parts that I just haven't haven't seen in my mainstream watches Um, but they are really good and he is particularly 
um, what I love about his acting is he is he's like the quiet actor. I think he doesn't have to yeah. say a lot to say a lot. Um, and he has some incredible scenes, and a couple of them are towards the end. So I'll save uh, I'll save those. But from very beginning, you establish this like conflict that he has of he is the one that went away from from the hometown, you know, he stepped out and tried something. And I think we've all been there and done that and knows what it feels like to step away from your family and maybe even feel like a sense of guilt um, that they're making you feel and that you make yourself feel because you've left your family um, at home. And Mm -hmm. uh, his conflict that they set up with his work in the restaurants was so well done. And like those little little flashbacks and um, his struggle with owning the decisions that he made because of what's happening in his family now is just like really good. (laughs) And also being kind of... uh he's more held responsible for the the wreckage of his brother Mike's life than anybody else on the show. He is now the owner of the restaurant. He is now saddled with the debt his brother left him with. Um, And he was, we, we, it's revealed gradually throughout the show that he left Chicago um, in part because his brother kind of kept him at arm's length. Wouldn't let wouldn't him, let in. him yeah. come work at the restaurant, wouldn't let him in. I think his brother knew that he was degrading and kind of falling apart and succumbing to his addiction and uh, and just kind of self-destructing and didn't want his brother to be a part of that. Uh, so now after years of being pushed away, pushed away, pushed away, he has no choice right. but to give right. up his life in New York and return home and then be held responsible for all this shit. So, I mean, Jeremy Allen White just, once in a generation yeah. kind of performance on this guy Absolutely. just fucking incredible he's like he it's like he's pulled out of the 70s he's mm-hmm. like hoffman or pacino that's like what, that's what i was really, saying i was saying those yes. names yes he has that sort of subtle quiet performance of a pacino yes. yeah Absolutely. And when he needs to let loose, he can. Mm-hmm. He absolutely mm-hmm. does, especially later in the season. Um, but he he is so generous with his performance because he is not the funny one. He's not uh, he's not meant to be a very charismatic person, but he kind of can't help but be. Yeah. He's not very fucking nice. He's not easy to get along with. He's not necessarily a good hang. But he's extraordinarily talented, and he lets the rest of the performers be the color, yes. you know, be yes. the fun part of the show uh, that he just kind of has to bounce around. And he finds this incredible human being in the midst of all of that. Mm-hmm. And it just we don't get a lot of television performances like that that feel new or special or even like a tribute to a like bygone type of acting. He's really special in this yeah, show. Yeah, really amazing. A, a great find and a great part at the right time for, for him, I think. Yeah. Um, and he was like, he was just on Shameless for a decade. Oh. He was on, exactly. So unless you have Showtime or unless you invested in uh, Shameless pretty early <laughs> on, uh, he is apparently beloved for fans of that particular show and was kind of a standout there. But Shameless ended a year or so ago Go and he needed something to jump into and 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 you can't ask for a better project to have written kind of around you and around your charisma as a performer yeah you know i was just thinking as you're talking about like what what i think made this performance in this show special is like you know when you think of restaurants and you think of shows about restaurants 
Um, you think of those like fancy ass kitchens where everything's in order and like those chefs are mean, they're, they're mean, they're strict. They're, they, they need it to be perfect. And that's a world that, um, Carmi lived in for quite some time. And he is trying to bring that to the, um, to the original beef of (laughs) Chicagoland, you know, and it is just not working something's not quite translating in the same way that it would in a kitchen in new york city or in paris or whatever um and he has to sort of find his way back to the heart of maybe even why he loved to do this in the first place um and it's a mix of passion for the food but also for the people that work and live in this place um correct and it's really beautiful how it his his journey kind of goes full circle from trying to reconnect those two things. And uh, yeah. I, I keep holding myself back from commenting on, on some of the final episodes <laughs> no, here. But. We're, we're going to get there, I promise. <laughs> but to touch on something you just said that, that is so well put and, and so well spoken. And I also, him trying to reconcile the chefs he worked under yes. that taught him so much, but were b- bad, execrable people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, with the new world of what cuisine can be and what a restaurant ought to be and never was uh, when he was coming up, um, is kind of forced upon him. He's forced to reconcile with the future of cooking mm-hmm. by his new sous chef. And I think yes. that's... Yeah. Like the 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 restaurant they eventually will come up with at some point is is gonna be on the backs of both of them, both Sydney and Carmi. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about Io? You know I do. <laughs> oh buddy, oh buddy. So I think I I don't know if it's performance of the show, but I think the biggest revelation of the show to me was Io Adebri. Certainly um, for for me, anyways, a breakout oh performance. Boy. Like I would put her in everything um, at this point. <laughs> that I was if I was building a cast for anything she'd oh, yeah. be in it um, she's gonna blow the fuck up she's <laughs> gonna be an enormous star uh, she's so fucking good and so funny and she basically this is such a useful character for this show to have yeah. you have a, a young woman of color coming in to stage at the restaurant um, a temporary position she's just learning the ropes and well, she knows the ropes but yeah. she's just uh, spending some time with this because of her admiration we learn for Carmi having tasted some of his work before but to have this young woman in particular who is so future-minded and so ambitious and so mm. insistent on her place in this uh, organization um, really kind of diffuses Carmi's ambition a little bit and challenges him to think outside what he thinks should be done um, and is such a beautiful foil for his talent and his ambition. What did you think, bud? Yeah, interestingly... Um they use the word foil, right? Because I think that they have they at the same time they have so much that they are that they have in common. They both want to. Oh be yeah, they have chemistry. Su- as well. yeah, yeah, incredible chemistry for sure, just as actors. But um, it just they want they want the same thing. They want to be successful chefs, and like right. being a successful chef is. A fucking hard um, and it's very rare that you would achieve the kind of success that could like sustain your life uh, and support right. a family and I think you know you know uh, it's a hard career in the same way being an actor or whatever is is a hard career it's not consistent it could end at any moment COVID-19 could come back again and your business is underwater <laughs> yeah. you know um, 
And so I think they both want this thing so bad. And what I think is really cool about um, Sydney is that she knows what kind of kitchen she's walking into on that first day. She knows this is not um, a, a fancy restaurant in New York City. But she also knows that there could be something special here that they could potentially build. And maybe she doesn't see that at first. She's coming there for the draw of Carmi, but then kind of sees the... I, I love that first episode, or maybe it's the second one, where she's literally just watching the dynamic of this family and these cousins play out in front of her. Exactly. And just yeah. watching it, just observing it, yeah. trying to understand it and figure it out. Um, and then understanding after that, like, where her place could be in supporting this business. I think she starts to put right. those pieces together pretty quickly, and Carmi sort of empowers her because he sees her talent to do that. Um, it's really cool the way her character evolves and develops. And uh, she empowers herself. She is then empowered by others. She meets conflict mm-hmm. uh, amongst, oh, yeah. amongst the family. <laughs> like people are not war- warming to her well and has to work through uh-huh. that, um, which I think is really interesting. I thought that was a really fun relationship to see evolve. There was like a respect earned between her uh, and Tina, who is one of Tina. the other chefs in the, in the kitchen. Uh, she's so fucking she's good, so good. I love Tina I so much. Um, she's so good. But I also thought what was really cool and interesting about seeing that conflict play out, right? It's like, it's sort of the, um, this is how things are done. I don't want that to change. Um, but everyone right. around her, at Tina, and the, the staff of the chefs that uh, have been working in this kitchen for years, presumably, um, it, we know it needs to change. It's not working. You're not making yeah. money. It's not helpful um but with um with tina like there there's a hominess of the way it's done regardless of the disadvantages of running it that way um yeah and so it's the conflict between the old and the new uh and and that we need to make money and we need to survive together um and uh, uh sydney earns her respect by pushing her and saying yeah. you're not doing this well i'm gonna tell you that but I'm also going to help you. Like, I'm not just telling you this to be shitty. I'm telling you this because we need right. to be better and we need to be efficient and we need to do that together. And that that moment with the potatoes is so beautiful because it comes that so beautiful. full circle. Um, it's really good. This is this is what I want storytelling to be. Yeah. This is like I, I want like it's a it's a silly little example of Tina is so set in her ways and and thinks of the way she makes her potatoes and ex, as an extension of herself yes. as a person, which you can't help but do. It's a creative field, despite the fact that it's very mercenary. You're just trying to feed people to make money. But you think of this as your art, as an expression of yourself. And to have someone who's younger than you come in and say, this is fucked. You're doing it yeah. wrong. You're bad at this. Uh, you you feel for Tina in that moment. It's like that fucking hurts. Ugh, this sucks. sucks. Who's this? Who's this fucking kid telling me I don't know how to live my life? Well, or raise and you my know, kid, I think the know? other dynamic at play, which I, I meant to say, but I forgot, is like it's it's two women, and I think there are there right. are there is an, another layer there of like not only is she younger, but she is also uh, a woman, and like you know you mm-hmm. you have to earn this respect, and there it, there can sometimes be this sort of like. Um, butting heads or challenges between two very competitive women, you know, and that right. is a reality. And um, I love the, how they played out that relationship and how they earn one another's respect. Um, and meant a lot to also me the somehow, inter- <laughs> you know. 
Well, I, I'm glad it did. Yeah. yeah. And I, I know there's also the internalized impression that both of those women probably carry, which is to say, there's probably only space for one or two women in this kitchen. Mm -hmm. Like the male chefs are not going to accept a whole kitchen full of women. So they're like this world creates these terrible situations where women feel like they have to compete with one exactly. another for space. Yeah. And like there's, yeah, there's exactly this right. scarcity yeah. of opportunity for them. Mm -hmm. Right. So yes, that plays out really beautifully. But like at the, the, the way that relationship kind of resolves itself is a mutual respect and realizing that neither of them is in danger of becoming extinct mm -hmm. uh, that uh, mm -hmm. Sydney is not there to replace exactly. Tina Sydney is there to amplify Tina and they're there to be a team and a family which is really really lovely yeah and I uh, man I so many reasons to love a show about a kitchen right like there is this <laughs> yeah, great sure. dynamic where that Car Carmen Carmine Carmen Carmi We'll just call him Carmi. Carmi. Uh, Carmi establishes yeah, sure. um, when he enters this kitchen, which is we are going to call each other chef. Um, that is mm -hmm. the sign of respect in in kitchens, right? And That's right. that beautiful setup at the beginning like has this play out throughout the whole show. It's like a little ping pong ball throughout the whole show. And you can see the way yeah. they're utilizing yes chef or no chef or when um, – when Carmi and Marcus are having that conversation mm. about the donut, you know, and he was spending all of this time and um, they're checking in on one. Another. I can't remember exactly what it was, but they're checking in on one another. And there's so much behind the way they use the word chef. And I yeah. found myself thinking, man, I wish we had something like that in the outside world, outside of the kitchen I world, know. because it's such a cool establishment of respect and level setting and there's hierarchy there is all of these different things but this is the thing that we all command and we all deserve and that is right. at its baseline is really cool <laughs> it's really lovely yeah like i think the, the humans have a natural urge with uh when it comes to showing respect or admiration or care for the people that are in their lives they want to ascend past calling them by their name mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. like anyone can everyone knows your name but i would like to call you this that's why we have nicknames and we have little pet names for people and stuff like that and like a shorthand language that develops but yeah in the case of marcus who boy would i die for marcus know, boy would i great, step in front of a garbage character. truck for marcus <laughs> Man, so Marcus is the well, he becomes the de facto pastry chef of the bear. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not the bear yet. That's a little spoiler. <laughs> it's, um, it's it's Chicago land beef. Um, so uh, Marcus uh, is basically in charge of bread, and uh, Carmi basically shows him a better way to make it. Put that little steam yes. tray at the bottom of the Love oven. That. You're gonna get better rolls. And it was like um, him realizing like Carmi's not fucking around. He's here to do good work and make beautiful food. And it, it's so. Yeah. Cool. But him saying herd chef yes. is so yes. great. Yes. It's such a breakthrough moment. Just like, yeah, okay, I got you, man. You're the boss now. Yeah. Another yeah, moment you know of like earned respect. I hear you. I Correct. got that. Yes, chef. <laughs> um, so good um, but yeah I mean I, I don't want to skirt uh, Io uh, any of the, the just dessert she deserves because oh, no, she's so freaking good watch the show if not for anything else but to see an amazing performance from her um, and I just want to comment on before we dive into Marcus a little bit more is her uh -huh. her acting style um, um, for this character to me was so pointed and direct of like, um, I am a matter of fact woman. I know what I want. This is not it. And when she, Correct. when she has to step away, she does and, um, demand more from the people around her and just a really excellent, 
excellent character, excellent actress, excellent performance. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, I mean, there are several more characters that, Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been kind of, I've been saving Richie a little bit. I know, right? (laughs) There was a moment where Um, I wanted to jump to Richie, but I was like, I think we should save him. Let's save. So, um, like, uh, you, you asked me in particular the other day at work about, where do I know this guy from? Where do I know Eben Mossbachrack yeah. from? Did you ever realize, did you ever figure out what I it was that you And I was going through from? his IMDb and I, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't dive too, too deep, but I, there is something, I know him from something. I just don't know right. from, from what. Um, yeah. I think he's been popping up in a lot of stuff over the years. I mean, he was in the John M's miniseries. Yep. He was in girls. He, um, he was in uh, the Punisher and that, that leads to a nice little, um, a nice little Easter egg for someone that pops up later in the season, but he he's been around, yeah. man. He's been around. around, and Richie is. I I have no more affection for anybody in this world than I have for the Richies in the mm. world. I love and adore a dirtbag and a bullshitter. Um, so R- Richie is uh, played by Eben Moss Backrack. He's the he's the humor of the show. He's the funniest character by a mile. And he's just this guy that's still around. You know, he's the, among the older members of staff in the building. He was the, the best friend of the of Mike, the brother who uh, took his own life. Uh, and he worked front of house for the restaurant. And his cousin? He's and just, he's technically their cousin? Is that right? Well, they refer to each other as cousin. as cousin, but I think we find out they're 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 not related. He was just the best yeah. friend. Uh, so yeah, he's been an old family friend for a really long time, and um, and he's just the last vestige of old Chicago mm-hmm. in this restaurant. Yes, he he's the one that insists on on keeping the old world around uh, and being this kind of chaotic, disruptive force <laughs> that be, be, because he doesn't actually have a place or necessarily an exploitable skill right. in the that that fits in perfectly with the rest of the staff um he's kind of on the outs and uh seeing him trying to insinuate himself by force into the proceedings and kind of fucking everything up every once in a while and being the most irritating man on the planet and really coming to loggerheads with Sydney at a certain you point. Know, uh, um, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the moment that I wanted to transition to Richie was when thinking about his yeah. tornado of an entrance into the kitchen um, <laughs> in like buddy. the first episode where Carmi is trying to like earn the respect and the trust, but he, he can't get it, and then in comes Richie, just like fucking it all up again, like starting back oh, yeah. from square one. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, this poor guy is never gonna figure this out." Um, it's never gonna work because yeah. he's got all of these variables at play. But uh, Richie is just a tornado of a character, and uh, I think it played incredibly well as well. Yeah, and what a what a gift to like. To give a part like that to an actor like Eben Moss Backrack, who I like, you wait your whole life for a part like uh-huh. that where you just get to be like just f- from downtown, just, just, just sinking threes all goddamn game. Just like you show up or you yell a line from off camera or you call the staff fucking replicants in your cool Terminator shades. <laughs> like you just show up and have the, the best parts. You're just this raw nerve live wire character um, that just brings a chaos and a texture to everything he's in. Yeah. Really wonderful shit. Um, you also, from that first like entrance moment, a lot is established, right? You know that the restaurant was not left to Richie, arguably way more involved yeah. with this restaurant. Than 
Carmi. Um, it was left to Carmi and not to him. And so there's a little bit of a tension there. Um, you know, a note gets hidden from from Carmi at that point in time as well. A lot is um, a lot is revealed um, without diving too deep into it. And, that, and the rest of that sort yeah. of unravels as the episodes go on. And I think what's really lovely about this show is that, yes, there is something terribly tragic that has happened. Um, their brother took his own life, you know, in a, quite, quite frankly, a very dramatic way. Um, right. And not that... Anyways, you know, like, you know what I'm saying. And so I think that it right. is, it's jarring, it's terrible. They have to unravel it because they have no information about sort of why it happened in the way that it did. Um, there was no note. There was no uh, explanation. There was little really known that there was even a challenge right. uh, that his brother was even struggling with drugs at that point, right? And so um, I think that this this thing that it begins with is very, very tragic, but it does not over power that's not what this show is about like certainly no. there's the working to try and understand what happened and trying to come to some sort of peace with that for yourself like all of that is happening as the show is going on um but this show is really about rebuilding um your life after moving through something that is right. revelatory or life-changing like like a death this kind of death in the family you know um, yeah, and the and the stain that 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 kind of death or kind of event uh, leaves on all the people affected yes, by yeah. it, and how you can't help but um, it, it it informs the kind of person you are and the decisions you make and the kind of person you go on to be. Mm -hmm. You can't help but be impacted and kind of shaded by something like that having happened to you or someone in your family, um, and to to really understand. The Richie of it all, the family of it all. I think we got to transition into our, uh, our spoiler territory, but are you ready I to take ready. it to the second I've, half of the season? I've been ready. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we wanted to give a clear demarcation point. If you've not seen the bear already, we're going to get into some kind of spoilery talk. Um, that you, you, we can't discuss the season without discussing the rest of the stuff. So, fair warning, we're going to spoil the show. If you haven't seen it already, come back later. Um, but we, we find out. Um, well, we, a bunch of things. Where do we even start with all this? Do we start with the the making the brujol in the kitchen? <laughs> do we start with the uh, the John Bernthal of it all? What do we do? Um, well, I was thinking the the place that I kind of wanted to start is sort of the 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 build up to the last episode, which is with episode sure. seven. Um, there's eight oh episodes. Oh my god! But episode seven uh, was by far, <laughs> far and away, like one of the best um, <laughs> for a couple of reasons. One, um, it was is a one shot episode, so it ran like a piece of theater. So right up my little alley there. Um, this um, this episode is so good because the way you have to shoot a one shot episode, obviously, is you you do it all at once. So there's no pausing, yeah. there's no breaks. Um, you you run it through like you're on the stage um, in a performance. And what works so well about doing that in this kitchen is it's so fast paced, it's so crazy, it's so hectic. Can't even imagine what they how much they had to do to get this right. I think I was reading <sighs> they they, they did it something like three or four times. Um, I think it was like seven. Maybe times. it was seven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. insanity. But this Insane. this episode yeah. is is certainly leading us to the climax here, and um, uh, and it is let, let's just set it up. So Sydney sure. has had this idea, and she's been talking about it this whole time. I think this episode is called the review. 
Um, yeah. Uh, and she wants to have a to-go service, you know, like a DoorDasher Postmate situation going on right. as a way to make money and bring in the business, going back to what you said about the um, her ambition, right? And how it sort of yeah. does veer a little bit away from where, where Carmi's would, perhaps. Um, and trying to bring some technology into the room and tensions are rising. Um, you have this beautiful <laughs> moment in this, in this episode where um, the orders are coming in. Sydney forgot to do something with the system or she, no pre-orders. She didn't turn off yeah. the pre-orders and exactly. those tickets roll in. They clearly don't have enough food. They definitely don't have enough staff. Like this is not going to, this is not going to end well. Um, and what sucks about it is that like, it's such a good idea. It's absolutely what this business should be doing. It just didn't start well uh, and it just didn't right. work. Um, and Cindy knows that she's like, this is going to ruin it for everyone. And no one's going to trust this anymore because of this one right. mistake and it's just fucking over you know and there's this beautiful moment between sydney and tina again where tina's like hey what's up i'm are you okay and of course yeah. you know sydney is not in a place where she can hear that <laughs> and, and <laughs> respond to it well but these tensions are just arising and it's just a great episode um because it's sort of this episode that says are we even gonna be able to fucking do this yeah, does this work at all? Absolutely. And because it's it's the most they've been tested the entire yes. season so far. And Sydney, I mean, it the the episode really does center around mm -hmm. Sydney. I know that Carmi has the big explosive fireworks right. factory performance <laughs> in this one and he's really like like he's really going for Oscar with this one. But uh the this episode happens because of decisions that Sydney has made mm -hmm. and I think she knows this throughout. Mm -hmm. This this started mm -hmm. because she had been really pushing for her Recipe. braised I think it's braised short rib and risotto. Which looks um, beautiful be by the way. Beautiful. <laughs> um she's she's fucking insane to think they can make that as a to-go like to order kind of Crazy. thing risotto's fucking impossible <laughs> with that um so carmy's right about that but because she makes the dish because she gets frustrated with carmy and leaves it on this random diner's table who happens to be the restaurant critic for like timeout chicago or something <laughs> like that because they get this incredible five-star review based on the back of that dish because she then pushes for the to-go system and forgets silly mistake but an enormous one to turn off off the pre-order function they're just fucking slammed they're in the weeds from the moment they open the doors that day and to jesse i mean like you we work uh, an occasionally high stress job um an occasionally very high volume job uh that's very people facing um but the to hear that ticket machine Ugh. come to life, to hear those chits spitting out, it is absolutely nightmare fuel. <laughs> and from then on, it's just the most chaotic, uncut gems, fever dream, terrible like panic attack episode. And it's so, so beautiful and so hard to watch. And I've now I've seen that episode three times now, I think. Um, and new stuff jumps out every mm -hmm. time. But it is really difficult to spend time inside that environment for those 20, 25 minutes. It's not a very long episode either. Mm -hmm. But it's it is it's tough because so much is happening and so many relationships are being tested mm -hmm. and they've earned this episode so much yeah. because they've done so much of the groundwork to establish these people, yeah. and these humans, and how they relate to one another and what they all want and desire. Um, but 
Man, I mean, someone gets stabbed in this episode, I know, I was bud. just going to say, I was thinking about how do I get to the point where Richie gets stabbed, and I think, I just want to establish there's these amazing moments that I think you were just mentioning, that they've earned this big moment in episode seven. Yeah. So, like, you know, there's there's these gangsters that hang out outside of the the beef or the beef or whatever yeah. the restaurant's called, and uh-huh. Richie has his very specific style of dealing with that, <laughs> in that he'll go grab a fucking gun, shoot it in the air, and say, fuck off. Uh-huh. Like, stop. <laughs> Sydney, uh, when faced with the same problem, will walk out the door and say, hey, hey, my name's Sydney. I'm here to figure this out with you. What's going on? Right. And how do I make it stop? <laughs> and she does it really well. And there's this also this great moment in that episode where... Richie, I think that was his, that was his offerable skill to this restaurant, right? And yes, it was. And so yeah. he then realizes that, like, oh, maybe that's superfluous as well, and makes this really tough decision of like, I probably need to call the cops here and like make something happen to protect this restaurant. Um, and he finds a different way to contribute, and maybe not the way he expected himself to do it. Um, yeah, and in a way that kind of betrays his whole modus yes, operandi. Yes. Like he wants scummy he old wants Chicago. That. He yeah. wants the dirtbags hanging <laughs> out, and he's the one that has to call the cops on them. So he really is growing yeah. up. Yeah, and um, then they, you know, there's this that tension then between Sydney and Richie a little bit, and Richie's just kind of an asshole in general presumably very difficult to work with but sydney gives it back yeah. to him and says no 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 like this is not how it's gonna work uh-huh. and in this episode seven which is a totally earned moment these two <sighs> uh richie was very reluctant with the the to-go offerings the the ipad or whatever it is that they're using yeah the, the pad or whatever they call it and um he's like he gets the i told you so moment but he gets to be such an asshole about it that's and he lives he it. He lives yeah. it. He, he digs in, yeah. <laughs> and Sydney just fucks and stabs him in the ass. Um, and it's so good because you're watching this scene, which, again, is playing out in one take. They're having this argument uh-huh. after all of these other things. Have, they've already performed and acted. There's no reset. This is just a buildup of emotion and acting. You're like, is she going to – why'd she pick up that night? Is she going to – oh, shit, she did. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the best part is when – Richie says to Carmi something. She fucking stabbed me. And he goes, you probably deserved it. And <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, the exactly. Best. I freaking loved it. <laughs> it was so good. But the, the moment, like, just just before that yeah. happens, um, uh, where uh, Carmi, um, like, Io has come around the corner with Marcus's uh. chocolate cake because it, it's not fucking cut because he's been obsessing over this right, fermented right. fruit donut the entire fucking season. <laughs> and she comes around the corner, doesn't yell corner, runs into Richie and drops the fucking cake. Ah. And he... And he and Richie in that moment is right to say you didn't call corner. Yeah, you didn't I'm do sorry. That. Like like cakes on the floor. You didn't call corner. And then Io finally confronts him with a knife in between the two of them, <laughs> and it's the most terrifying shit in so the entire good. season. It's legitimately scary. I was like, this this girl is about to commit a murder inside this restaurant. I know, you literally restaurant. think, oh God, what's she going to do? You really believe it. But she but arguably then, does then the really... literal best thing, which is just give him a little stab in the ass. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little stab in the ass. And and I, I still don't know. Like I, I know that she wanted that to happen. It may have been an accident. He did back into her with it, like, ass first. Do you think it was on purpose? Yes. <laughs> 
Yeah, okay, got it. I like it more if it's on purpose. I like like, that she stood up for herself and stabbed this (laughs) this really, like, enormous piece of shit. We don't actually Uh, see it happen, so who's to say? Right, exactly. (laughs) I think think she probably But then you realize that Eben Moss Backrack has been doing this entire episode with an ass wound under his (laughs) jeans uh, that that Ibrahim has to, uh, well, has to service while also... Recounting the plot of Black Hawk Down that he lived through in Mogadishu. It's, it's a, these these characters are real, man. These so are real good. human beings. So but good. Yeah, clearly this episode is just uh, and the the show indulges itself throughout the run of the series, and they make different sorts of television shows all throughout. You have mm-hmm. like the the fake nightmare cooking show that Carmi is in in the last oh, episode. Yeah. You have. Episode, I think, three, uh, where they go to the kid's birthday party to repay a debt. And they just make their, like, It's Always Sunny episode, basically. They're just a little sitcom episode. Um, And this one really is, they got to do a live stage performance. I knew this one would grab you. I knew this would be special for you. This is is an accomplishment. Yes, a thousand percent. I loved this episode. But it would... It wouldn't be good if this was just showing off, you know, yeah. if they were just flexing on people. No, you said it. They the, earned the, it. They earned this episode. They earned it. Yeah. They earned it. And the shooting style heightens the drama. Yes. It really does service the material as it's written. And it's so beautifully yes, done. Yes, it is. It's really, really well done. Um, and I did really love this episode. Um, and I think what makes it so special is, you know, it does really mimic the you know, what I'm certain has happened in kitchens across America, you know, like trying to figure this out and make some sort of attempt to recover after this terrible thing has ruined your business. Um, And and they acknowledge it in the show and I'm talking about COVID, right? But like, it's just a pretty um, insane moment that I'm sure is relatable to so many people in this industry um, where it's just like, fuck, how do we figure this out? Um, uh-huh. And it's it just that chaos and that frustration. And I think they play with this with the concept of the bear a little bit. But the the anxiety and the, the fact that this thing is so big and so terrifying. How am yes. I going to figure this out? Um, uh-huh. It's just, it's really beautifully done. <laughs> and could stand in as kind of a metaphor for... All artistic creation, all ambition. This could have been another industry, yeah. but I'm glad it's this one in particular. Yeah. I'm glad it's this city in particular that I love very, very deeply. And I'm glad it's these people in particular. Um, but th- this episode itself leads into um, a finale that's kind of another really, it's another big swing. Maybe not formally, but as far as storytelling goes. It's a big dramatic yeah. swing at the very end here. So at this point, we know we've had a little flashback to Sunday dinner um, with uh, the Berzanos, and we were introduced to Mike for the first time, uh, played by the the most important actor in the world right now is John Burns. God, he's um, in fucking I, everything. This guy. He's in fucking everything, and like I think he's happy to show up and do a single episode. But if you have to establish, like, if you've been kind of hint, if there's this ghost or this spirit hanging over the entire show you're writing, and you need one scene mm-hmm. to express how important this person has been to all these human beings i mean you can do a lot worse than john bernthal and we learn a lot about him in that one scene that we get access to but 
the entire premise has been that Mike killed himself and he left the restaurant in $300,000 worth of debt and they were already struggling. And the only reason the restaurant survived and kind of the source, I think, of Richie's frustration is the fact that he kept them afloat by selling Coke in the back alley throughout mm -hmm. the COVID years. And um, and they're barely hanging on by the skin of their teeth. Um, but what happens in the last episode? I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there's so much, so much. Maybe we we jump to sort of the most notable, which is this yeah. this moment where Richie gives Carmi this note that Michael has left him. Um, that he didn't necessarily want him to see. He didn't open it. He didn't read it. He just I think there was right. this this element of like, man, my fucking best friend didn't write anything or leave anything for me. Like. I'm more yeah. of a brother to this guy than Carmi, you know, like right. I think there's sort of this like really big struggle there and anger and resentment and frustration about that, um, which I can't even imagine how you how you grapple through that in your brain. And this might be genuinely one of the ways that you react. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think they have a, a meeting of the minds and he gives it to him and and um, this scene God, it was really good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, it's it's, so it's good. really beautiful. And um, I was really taken with this moment where he opens the envelope and he's just, you know, sitting in his alley, which I think was at the same place where he encountered the bear in the beginning of the no, that was somewhere else. No, the bear is on a bridge. Yeah, it was on yeah a bridge. the bear is on the bridge of the Chicago River. Um, or it's the Wabash Bridge. It was bridge, the bridge. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, and so. Uh, anyways, there was this great, you know, he opens the letter and it has an index card in it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and um, there are like three words on it, um, which is like, love you, bud. Go rip it up or what? go let, let it rip. rip. Yeah. Um, and that was it. That was the message. And then turns it over and sees the recipe to the spaghetti sauce, <laughs> which is excellent. Like... I think he says it. He says, fuck you. Like, yeah. That's, first of all, there's probably so many emotions there. You know, this is all you leave me, the fucking recipe, and just to love you, bud, let her rip. What does that even mean? Like, what am I supposed to yeah. do with that? But okay, I hear you, you know. Um, it's I'll make your fucking spaghetti. Exactly. Fuck this. <laughs> yeah. That moment where he opens that, I think is... I don't know. I, it's a very memorable scene to me. Um, it really is. Because it says so much with so little. I think Michael knew exactly. He knew exactly what he was doing by, by leaving that mm -hmm. note. Um, Michael probably also acknowledged it at that point of writing that, that he had a, you know, he has a problem and he's probably going to act on that problem and end the problem yeah. for everyone and himself, you know, and he writes this down. <laughs> It's a very moving moment. Um, and so he then goes to, Carmi uh, goes to make the sauce. <laughs> what happens, Corey, when he makes the sauce? Well, what happens, yeah, uh, part of the note was also it said uh, the, the, the small cans of tomatoes taste better. Uh, yes. That's, uh, he took the yes, time yes. to write that on the recipe, right? The small cans taste better. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Carmi, uh, having reached his full resolution, having kind of hit rock bottom with the restaurant, right. says, fine, I'll be a part of this world. I'll be a part of this restaurant. I want to make... Uh, I'm going to make the spaghetti for family meal. I'm going to make the old restaurant, give them something that they've kind of uh, a part of the old, the old world. 
Um, and when he goes to put the tomatoes in the pan after like kind of lovingly sauteing the garlic and the basil infused oil, um, he, there's something weird about the tomato sauce, bud. Uh, the tomatoes have a big lump in the middle and he realizes that Mike has over the course of probably many years laundered money <laughs> into these tomato cans. Uh, so he's put in about, what is it? 10,000 at a time. Is that, I is that like a 10,000 10, wad one, yeah. per can? Like so he, so they, uh, he realizes that there's money in the tomatoes. So he, he mobilizes the entire <laughs> staff to just tear the fucking kitchen apart and bring out every tiny can of tomatoes and open up and just get all of this money out of it and realizes that the reason they can't file their taxes correctly, the reason they're in such arrears to, uh, to Oliver Platt, who we didn't mention I at know, all, who's I, really I fucking wonderful in this show. I right now because I'm like, how do we get back to Oliver? We'll do an honorable mention section at <laughs> yeah. the end, I think. We'll just, we'll just spitball it. But uh, he realizes that Mike kind of had a plan all along and it was a, a, a sketchy dirtbag plan. It was really not great put him in a weird position but now they have all the money they need to do kind of whatever they want um and it's at this point that sydney comes back they they had a text exchange after she left furious for and rightly so from the restaurant the day before she comes back and they can reconcile and then they turn on a dime, but oh, yeah, like they were, they were not speaking before. And now is uh, there's just this understanding yes. where she comes in and he says, grab your apron. And then they come up with the bear. They come up with the they, bear in that moment. It's really good. Oh, it's so good. Jesse, <laughs> this fucking show, man. So cause like the way that they silently just transition from am I allowed to come back in? Yes, you're allowed to come back in. I'm sorry for everything I did. I want you to be a part of this. In two directly. Okay, so we have a we have a window on the side for sandwiches. Double and we have a double counter. Or whatever they and, said. And double tabletops, yeah. exactly. Like 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 the kind of cuisine they're gonna yeah. make, the kind of service they're gonna offer. Um it's just like no, they just have this understanding that they've really forged over the last few weeks with each other. It's really beautiful. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're circling back to this the bear, right? The bear is this thing that you don't know that it can happen. It's scary, it fucks with you. It, like do I have the resources, the time, the effort, the passion to be able to do this? And right. when a door opens for you, you know, something is able to click and change. And certainly not everybody has that opportunity of finding hundreds of thousands of dollars in tomato sauce. Um, but like that, that thing that is really scary becomes a little less scary and you can see it as something that could be really amazing. And I think the yeah. other beautiful part of this and the note that he leaves says, let it rip. Um, and I think part, uh, I'm going to circle back to a couple of thoughts. So one is yeah, the idea that I am holding you at an arm's length, Carmen, you cannot come into this business. He knew, like Michael knew, like this is not a surviving, this is not going to be the surviving art. Yeah. Um, and so they also mentioned at some point they wanted to start a restaurant together, um, and, and do something together. And, sure. um, Michael saying let her rip is giving him permission to say goodbye to the thing that's not working that he's been working for seven episodes to try and keep alive um, and saying go for it and I'm going to give you the means to do it. It's such a like a yeah. rebirth and a re um, like a freedom 
to give that really scary thing an opportunity to live uh, and to to happen. And it's like so that man. moment where they say that thing about what the bear is going to be is really good and just sort of circles back to that note a little bit and the thoughtfulness behind it and like out of this tragedy is going to hopefully come this really beautiful, great opportunity for every single person who was in that kitchen. You know, it's really cool. <laughs> That that's so well said, Jesse. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, imagine like being able to leave something of yourself. Uh, I, I just it's almost like Mike gets to live on yes. and gets a second chance mm-hmm. through Carmi. It's really really beautiful. You're right. It's a cycle of rebirth and renewal. It's this. I want to create a better better world for the people I love than the one I grew up mm-hmm. in. It's really lovely. Yeah, it is, and it is emotional too. Like I was emotional oh, in that boy. in that last episode for <laughs> sure, and I found myself like really connecting to this show for like certainly a number of different reasons but like to me this is a a must see a must watch like it just does everything it does so well (laughs) um so i don't know what are your thoughts on like the last last moments of the show oh but i just love it i think um i'm kind of caught up with the idea of uh, we we're it's a still pretty new show yeah. and we don't know if we're going to get a second yeah, season. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I, 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 I desperately want one. I really, really do. And I think it's going to, it's going to come down to the wire of how many people are watching this thing. Can they achieve critical mass? Uh, have they achieved a budget that's sustainable to make more seasons of the show? Um, but also at the same time thinking like, if we don't get a second one, this is really lovely. It doesn't um, need one. I think. Not necessarily. I, I think yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like, would I would I want to see what the bear is up to? Yeah. I mean, I think that sure. could be pretty curious to watch another season about. It won't. Um, you know, maybe there'll be different kind of magic, but I don't know if it will have the magic that this first season carried with it of the way it established right. the characters and the setup and the restaurant and the the death and the moving through the motions of that. Um, it works by itself. Uh, it works like a a a movie or a play or something that could live on its own. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, even if we don't get a second season, I think this is a show that I will certainly return to. And I don't say that often about shows. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I do it all the time and already have, but uh, nevertheless, this is still kind of a special one. And I think, I think the reason I want another season is, is it's so rare that we get, um, characters this well-defined, performances that are allowed to breathe yeah. like this. It's rare that we have this kind of chemistry amongst the leads of the show, such cultural specificity of a time and a place and an industry. And I want more of these people growing together. Mm-hmm. I think they work so well together and so interestingly that I want to see them take on new challenges. And I think what happens when you give these talented but kind of broken people all the resources they need to kind of go after something. Um, that's a, I would watch as many seasons as they want to mm-hmm. make, but if this is all we get, I'll have to be happy with it. And I will be. And it's such a, it just feels like such a gift. Out of it nowhere. does. It's like a really, it's this one snuck up on me court. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm telling you. It was good. Um, we had like talked about it a while back. Like, Oh, have you seen that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, not yet, but it's definitely one that keeps popping up on my like for you list. Mm-hmm. There was a reason it was, po- it was like, Jesse, 
Watch me. <laughs> Watch hey, me, please. Hey, you might, you might really love this. Yeah. <laughs> it was really so good. I really love I mean, it, we're not super far into 2022 yet, but uh, no. uh, it will certainly be up there for me when we do our like reflection on the year. Like this will be, I think it will be one of my top five. Uh, 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 yeah, absolutely, indubitably. But if it isn't, then like kudos yeah, good, to us for such a great TV. Good job for TV. Honestly, <laughs> if, it, if it isn't, great, great job TV. Um, but yes, I mean, what did, what did we miss in our so conversation so far? We mentioned Oliver. Guy, Oliver. Yeah. Oliver is in now. everything. You've seen him in something. <laughs> you, he's always like an amazing character um, in yeah, everything he that he's in. Um, I think that there, there's just so much about Oliver that I love. He is um, his type of actor, like that part actor, that guy who comes in oh, yeah. to, do, to do maybe you know a, a supporting character in this case the uncle who like provided the bankroll for Michael you know um <laughs> I thought he just did a, a, such a great job that kind of character is like a staple character that I just gen generally like um Absolutely. and so he just does a, an awesome job uh in this show <laughs> and in a sh in a show that's entirely character actors and like bit parts and stuff it's nice to see like the prior generation stalwart character actor mm -hmm. kind of being like the being the like just the the wizened old uncle that's kind of nice but kind of a prick and extremely fucking funny yes. and uh, um he's also yeah, in another great movie about kitchens that i love i don't have you seen chef um, oh yeah, I've seen Chef. Chef. is a Absolutely. fantastic movie. Um, I don't know if you love it, but I certainly loved this movie. Um, and he's in that as well. He's great in that. Um, and uh, what was the other thing that he was in that I was just thinking about the other day? Oh, I can't remember, but... He's very good. <laughs> he's in he's everything. everything. He's Oliver Platt. He's an institution. Yeah, he's an entire industry unto himself. I love him. Um, there, there's other folks in this show that we failed to mention so far. Yes. I mean, like Abby Elliott plays his sister, yeah. Sugar. Um, SNL alum. Good job, Abby. Yeah, absolutely. Good for you. Um, and... And then everybody in the kitchen is just so great. Yeah. Ibrahim is so funny, and Gary is so great. This guy that used to play for the Cubs. Oh, that was uh, such a like oh, so good. Yeah, so good. Like, like why, why? Like, okay, we we have a former Cubs player here that just works in the kitchen now. The dishwashing staff oh, is so fucking funny. Another like great yes chef moment, or uh, that guy is like, dude, take the fucking tape off of yeah. the container uh -huh. because once my hands are all wet and soapy, I can't get that off and it slows me down. Uh -huh. no, yes, chef. Like that was so good. Yes, chef. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to see like, like this, uh, honestly, the one the reason I love like, like, like cooking in the restaurant industry so much is one, because of my history having done that for many, many years, like working in food service, working in hospitality for so many years, but also it's just like, there's such a leveling of, respect for every part of a nice yes. functional kitchen yes. everyone is sitting down for family meal it doesn't matter where like how long you worked at fucking noma you're gonna eat the same dinner that the dishwashers eat at the exact same fucking time and you're gonna make it for them mm -hmm. uh, there's just such like a non-hierarchical moment that happens every day in a kitchen where it's just like this none of this this entirely breaks down without the even the smallest part of the system yeah. and it's so lovely it is that it's just it's is uh, like one of the only truly humane parts of a job that you can see out there in the real world. Mm -hmm. It's really lovely. Yeah. 
Um, just going back to Marcus for a moment, his character arc is Let's do fantastic. It. Uh, we didn't spend Woo! too much time here, but um, he he gets fixated on making this perfect donut, presumably for the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but <laughs> mostly for Marcus. Mostly though. for Marcus, yeah. though, exactly. <laughs> like it's really unclear as to why he wants to make this donut or why, he, but it's like he's fixated and we've all been there this is such a relatable moment oh yeah where you just get so stuck on something that you fail to look at this larger photo or this larger photo this larger vision or the larger picture sure um and he gets so stuck he loses himself a little bit he he figure he yeah. misses the opportunity to make a larger impact you know when those tickets are coming in I haven't sliced the cake yet. It's fine. It'll take me two seconds to do. But, like, he's so distracted with this donut. And, granted, I want to spend all of that time analyzing textures of donuts with Marcus. Because sure. Because that looked fun. It sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a blast. I want to talk about reducing plum wine over the course of 12 hours with Marcus. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Uh, and this beautiful relationship between Marcus and Sydney is established. Like, a friendship. Like, a we understand each other like we want to learn more about yeah. one another and that um like beautiful moment where they're having a meal together was great the dinner scene. yeah um yep. but marcus is such a good relatable guy and character and um uh, lionel boyce plays him so well yeah such a like um what i like about the show is they're all like down-to-earth actors there's no um yeah. There's no pretense here. This is just this is just good people being people. Um, and yeah. Lionel maybe does that the best. <laughs> yeah, th- he's the most instantly winning and the most instantly charming. Mm-hmm. And it, it it speaks a lot to the show where at the moment in episode seven, where he runs up having finally cracked the code with the donut. <laughs> Uh, and his timing is just so fucked. bad. Uh, he <laughs> finally figured out the donut, but it's in the midst of all of this chaos. And he's finally, he's forced to open his eyes and see the world yes. he's been living in the entire That's time. That's when he sees the picture and he's been missing. Exactly. And when it's, when he's forced to see it, but it, it's such a moment of triumph for him. Yeah. And at the same time, when he says, oh, I, I haven't cut the cakes yet. I wanted to fucking murder. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck are it, you Marcus. doing? <laughs> Look around you, Marcus. Come on, bud. And you know, the other the other great moment at the end of that episode, episode seven, is both Sydney and Carmi eat the donut off the floor and yes. think it's fucking amazing. And that's great. But he nailed it. <laughs> he got it. Yep, yep, absolutely. Because he's just been running this like little fermentation station <laughs> in the background, like which is kind of dangerous. Like you could cause explosions doing that in the back of the restaurant. But he's also been like, he set up a little nook for himself to sleep at the restaurant. So he's there with enough time to work on his recipe and stuff. I just, I love Marcus. Who cannot identify with Marcus? Love that Great man. Great character. There's just so many of them. <laughs> uh, oh, you know what I was going to mention about um, Oliver yeah. is that there's a great moment that he has when <laughs> Carmi figures out that Richie put the Xanax in the punch. <laughs> in the ecto cooler, yeah. I mean, clearly, uh, Oliver's character is not having an amazing time at this party. It's not his scene. It's really fucking frustrating. And then all of a sudden, everyone's passed out. And you know what? Uh-huh. Got a little better that party for Oliver's yeah. character. Yeah. That was a great scene. <laughs> that really clicked in the tone of the show yeah. for me because he walks up and says, 
what are they fucking dead? <laughs> yeah. and, and just like very deadpan. <laughs> and I was like, this show is knows exactly where my funny boat is. Like that, that's right. Um, honorable uh, mention to Joel McHale, who plays the asshole oh, man. chef in, yes. the, in the first couple of episodes. Uh, very, very well done, Joel. To have that like enormous man behind you telling you you should have committed suicide oh, because you, <laughs> because you fucking suck. He's he fucking he's terrified in that episode, and he's the the stand-in for everything Carmi doesn't want to do, mm-hmm. but the kind of what made him who he is, and the, that's what he and Sydney have most in common is they've all had a Joel McHale at some point. Yes, or another. yes, yes, and you know that was the other really kind of cool theme played within the show is like I don't particularly like that person. But they, sure. they taught me a lot, and I gained so much from them. And I think mm-hmm. especially in the world that we're living in now, where there is a lot happening, we're learning things about people that are not good, you sort of have to figure out what you're willing to take and then what you need to leave behind. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and just because they, they did something terrible doesn't mean they didn't add value to your life, necessarily. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a really important thing in our world right now and an interesting conversation to have much longer one than than we'll have on this podcast but i definitely think it's a really cool interesting concept yeah to reckon with like you're you're yes you are very talented you might be a genius but that only entitles you to running a good restaurant um you you were not entitled to treat people like shit or exerting yourself over uh women over whom you hold power like like the 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 industry needs to change and if if joel McHale can be the example of what they don't want to be then yeah all the better Mm -hmm. for it yeah for sure all right bud show Good show. Good show. So check it out. The All eight episodes of The Bear are now streaming on Hulu. Uh, FX is doing wonderful work. Um, we'll be back soon. Um, I'm not sure the order of release for these episodes. We have a very special one that either you've already heard or are about to um, that I'm still in the process of cutting down. It's going to be a chaos episode. And I'm very excited about it. We love it. a chaos um, episode. <laughs> but we'll, we'll be back soon on Showstoppers. <laughs>